0: Welcome back everybody to Big Mama Hex. Today we are sitting down with Amy Kelly. She is a friend and also creator, um, artist from Philly. I know her from my Philly days and um, a really wonderful mom group, um, our collective, uh, by my side, yes, (laughs) Yes. by my side, Terry Ramsey Ramsey is like an angel and she got a bunch of us all together at the same time, and it was really nice to meet really cool moms, uh, like-minded moms, when I was spending some time in Philly when we lived
1: there. Um, I think we met at a vending event dude. at By My Side. <laughs> <laughs> by My Side try to do like a holiday Was it? Oh, yeah, because By My Side's at a church. Yeah, yeah. They tried to do like a yes. holiday shop. yeah, it was like a bazaar. It was
0: a bazaar bazaar. I love bazaars. Um, yes. And then I came over and, and you and Hunter had my husband, Hunter, and you had talked a bit and you had a Kutztown connection, which was really exciting for him because it's like in Philly. And, and before that, he had spent a lot of time in New York and he doesn't really meet many that know where Kutztown is, you know, Um, and Hunter and your mother knew each other. You and he were able to go way back and it was really neat. And he was like excited and you were excited and it was cool. And um, also, you know, we just enjoyed your company. You're really great person and fun person down the earth person to be around Um, but yeah so we moved and when we moved we stayed in touch and amy um also went to kutztown and then i went to kutztown for my graduate program and then it's so funny because i meet so many people here in berks county that know you so well and it's really kind of neat because there's so much like six degrees of separation um and i think you worked at uptown espresso bar right i
1: did for a long time that's funny. I, I've noticed your yeah, that's so friends cool. list has gotten. Uh, we've gotten closer. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like no,
0: it's so wild. I think when we were vending that event, maybe we traded because I know I got like this amazing crocheted um, like octopus from you from my daughter Henrietta. I think she was young when that. It yeah, was so cool, and it was this beautiful olive color. That was really beautiful work. So. Can you tell us a little bit about? Um, well, let's start with where 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 you live now, which we talked about Philadelphia. But where did you grow up, Amy? Let's go back
1: to the beginning. <laughs> um, well, the beginning. I didn't grow up. I didn't grow up where uh, I was born. But uh, I was born in Reading, Pennsylvania, um, and my mom is from Kutztown, originally. Um, but we moved around a lot. Um, I lived in Penn State for a short time, uh, State College. Um, And then we moved, we, the Norristown, and then we ended up settling in Lansdale, Pennsylvania. Um, So Lansdale is where I, where I've lived the longest until I moved to Philadelphia, actually. So I, I went to, um, I wanted to go to art school out of high school. Um, My, I went to North Penn High School and they had a really amazing art program. I was lucky that way. So um, I had a decent portfolio and I wanted to go to art school and I applied to all the schools in Philadelphia Um, and I got in, I got into Tyler and more, maybe that's it, Um, but I couldn't afford them. Um, Mm. And, and yeah, I mean, I, I, I couldn't afford them. And, you know, it was like that middle-class America where my parents made too much money for me to qualify for things, but I didn't have enough money to pay for anything So Mm -hmm. Kutztown is where my mom's family was from. I was comfortable there. I would spend the summers there and they had a really, really good art program and I could afford it. So I applied there and I got in and I went, um, anyway, and I ended up living in Kutztown. Uh, it ended up taking me 10 years to graduate because I worked full time through college. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I worked full time through college and I paid for it when I had money to go. Um, Mm -hmm. But I ended up staying in Kutztown for, I don't know, I moved there when I was 19, and I left when I was 31. So, and then I moved to Philly, which is where I always wanted to go anyway. So here I am. But I don't, I love Kutztown, and I have tons of friends that live there still, and it's it's beautiful, and I always consider maybe, maybe, uh, maybe I'll buy a house there and move there, but I don't know, I like Philadelphia a lot, too, so.
0: Yeah, we miss Philly a lot. You do a lot of really cool stuff. I, I love that you've been showing a lot of the um, older stuff that you've done. You kind of went through uh, some some older work, too, that was
1: really, really neat to see. Um, and then more recent painting that you did. Thank you. <laughs> um, so I do a lot of things, and I'm trying to figure out what... Which you Know which would be the best, <laughs> but uh, that is a mixed media, so it's mostly watercolor base, and then um, on and then there's some colored pencil, and there's a little bit of acrylic paint, and there is some uh, pen and ink. But so oh, it's, wow. it's it's a mix of, of whatever. My art, my 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 the teacher of my major in cuts down some, I, I have a degree in drawing, so which was awesome. I was gonna ask you, what is your degree? So, yeah, it's in drawing, which is pretty great because there are very few art schools that actually have that degree. I don't even know if Kutztown still has it. They yeah. might not have it anymore. Um, but uh, my my the teacher of my major, um, which for some reason is going out of my head right now. He's not George Sorrell. He's not there anymore. He retired. But uh, he used to say that I used to throw throw the whole box at my stuff. So so whatever was in my box, I would put on the paper. Yeah. I, um, so that's awesome so that's what that is um so I do I my 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 degree is in drawing and it was mostly figure drawing so I I just I drew mm-hmm. people a lot of naked people um <laughs> and yeah I, I guess I I draw and I paint uh people and and places and um that's that's Kind of what I do and I wish I could just do it full time and never have to work ever again <laughs> but and then other than that honestly I, I picked up crocheting actually in college um in, a, in an attempt to quit smoking I thought that if I had something that makes with, sense if I had something to do with my hands I would not smoke cigarettes mm-hmm. well that didn't work uh, yeah I still smoked until I was 41 I think but uh Anyway, I don't smoke now. <laughs> Yay! But uh, I. Yeah, that's awesome. Congratulations, Amy. I know that's a real mf oh, to quit. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's awful. Um, but yeah, so I started crocheting to quit smoking. I didn't quit smoking, but I kept crocheting. I, I fell yeah. in love with it. And I am super hyperactive. Um, I cannot yeah. just sit down. So, crocheting is the only thing that makes me sit down at the end of the day. It, it, it relaxes me and yeah. calms me down if you want to watch a movie with me i have to bring my yarn and sit and do that otherwise i'm gonna get up and clean something or i'm gonna space out yep. not attention um so that it, it grounds me um yeah so yeah so and i just i that's I, really I, funny yeah i was crocheting all the time anyway for you know for myself then i thought well i what am I doing with all this stuff? I should try and sell it. Like i have way too yes. many sweaters, you know, way too many crocheted stuffed animals, you know? So, Oh, the crocheted stuffed animals, super, super cool. I love that so much. Uh, it's interesting
0: that you say that because I'm literally the same exact way. And I took up knitting. I'm um, actually in college too. Actually, my friend taught me and I think it was like to try
1: and just calm anxiety down. Yeah. It's funny. I, my mom started crocheting after I did, which, you know, so, oh, really? well, I kind of like showed her how to do stuff. But when my I'm husband fine. and I were just dating, um, we, you know, had been together, you know, whatever it was it, a short amount of time that I hadn't truly shown him, you know, all my nerdiness yet. And I remember <laughs> one of the first times that, you know, we were getting comfortable and he was at my house and we were sitting on the couch, and we we're going to watch a movie And I said to him, "Um, do you mind if I crochet while we watch this movie? And he was like, no, not at all. And I was like, wow, he didn't think that was weird. You know, and I sat there and like crocheted while we watched the movie. And he didn't say anything at all about that being weird or like call me a granny or anything like that. And then one of the first times I was at his parents' house. I sat on the couch with his mm-hmm. mom and she pulled out crocheting yarn and needle and needles and just started crocheting on the couch when she was talking to me. And I was like, Oh my God, that's why he didn't think I was weird. He grew up with it. Like that's what ladies that's do. So when they cool. on the couch. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> I know, it, you know, my great, my, my great grandmother, granny Fisher would always say busy hands, happy heart. And I feel like that's really, really true. I feel, you know, like, over the holidays and stuff, I forced myself to take, like, a week off and just not work. And it was extremely, like, painful and uncomfortable, actually. Um, and, and not all work is, like, necessarily monetary gains. But just, like, not, like, I was trying to be fully present with my children. But I realized, like, for myself, I need to fill that cup every day or else I'm just, like, a complete banshee. So, yes. <laughs> no, I can't do it. I yes. can't not do something like, it doesn't even have to be art. It can just be anything like cleaning. Like you said, I just have to have something that I like release that energy into, um, which is really, really important. But yeah, I I love your work so much. So, um, you know, talk to me about the evolution of the work and, oh, and the scarf, the hooded scarf you gave me is so amazing and i can't wait i'm having a photographer take pictures of me and i'm gonna have her do some with the scarf on because it's so cool i hope my friend reached out to you because she was like obsessed with it um amy made this really really amazing hooded scarf and it just it goes on and on and on and it just feels so good and so magical and it feels like a cloak it's like very very cool um very cool scarf so so amy um make sure you mention where where people can find your work and follow you and um ask you if they're interested in
1: purchasing something i have a, a facebook page it's 4 and 7 um that symbol that what is it is it an umlaut no the the and symbol whatever that's called it's not an umlaut what is it called oh the and the Aberdeen, no, is it app Ab- Ab- What is it wait is it an <laughs> ampersand so Abernathy yes, is that was <laughs>
0: That's my forty thousand dollars worth of graphic design right there. I know what an ampersand is. Yes. Oh so, yes, yeah, so it's four yes. and
1: seven with that amp- ampersand. Okay,
0: cool. Yeah. Ampersand.
1: Yeah. I'll make sure four.
0: to link that. Um okay. four and seven art. Okay, cool. I'll make sure to link that on the show notes too. I just don't want to forget um Amy's got a really lot of really cool uh, crochet work. Oh, it is gorgeous and, and classy and and like um Super, super beautiful. Uh thank you. Really, really nice stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So you have that um that you're still doing and following patterns, I guess? Like how do you No, use- I
1: don't know how to read patterns. I <laughs> me neither. Yeah. I have no
0: idea. So you I just I What about feel- the sweaters and the shrugs?
1: I don't (laughs) don't know. I I didn't realize that it was weird, but I can like see the structure of it and then just make it. No, dude. Yes. I do the same thing.
0: That's so wild, but you do such a, like, it's very tight. It's not like, I mean, it was easy to do like a poncho like that, but it looks like you followed a pattern, but it's beautiful. I'm, I'm, I don't think it's weird at all. I think it's incredible. So you're probably a very visual learner. Like I am Yes, and you see it in your head or whatever and then you just like remake it yeah yes that's very yeah. very cool yeah. um, they're like beautiful I'm, I've beautiful been work. totally uh-huh. known
1: to touch people in like public places be like I love that sweater can I touch it and they're like what you know and I'm like I just I I can't learn unless I touch it like if you don't let me touch it I won't know what it's made out of or like how it's put together
0: <laughs> so it's very important for my growth right <laughs> yeah oh my gosh so funny I used to do that too I used to it's funny because I'm like an introvert but I'm very extroverted I like have waves you know and uh I miss people and I never thought I'd feel this way it's really super weird but um I I have
1: your I'm definitely an introvert but I can pretend to be an extrovert when needed yeah it's you
0: know I never really like understood that about myself until I heard an art an art teacher talk about that um another podcast it's called deep space sparkle. Cause I know you teach art too. You should check it out sometime. I mean, it's like super, super like rainbows and, and like, it's like Poppy from trolls, like teaching (laughs) art teachers, (laughs) but she's really, really cool. But she has a podcast too. And she talks about having anxiety and like being an introvert. That's a teacher and how difficult that is. Cause you're literally on stage the whole time and you have to like really recover from that kind of, you know, but, um, very interesting stuff. And I never really identified that way, but then it made a lot of sense to me. So Amy's work, um, really, really well executed. I was never able to do um, realism very well. And I just, I, I really am blown away by the precision and, and how beautiful it looks. Thank so, you. So
1: I, I also, I've been doing commission uh, drawings of people's homes around, around Fishtown. Mm-hmm. I kind of fell into that by accident, but uh, I enjoy it. Um, and I have a couple, uh, commission portraits that I have to start working on. I started one the other day, but, um, so little by little, my commission work is picking up and I I hope that it continues. I put it off for a long time, uh, because of just being a mom and raising kids. Um, Mm -hmm. but back in the day before I moved to Philadelphia, that was a big part of my income was doing commissions. So around yeah. around Berks County and stuff like that, there's people own portraits that I've done, you know. Um, but yeah, I moved to Philadelphia, met my husband, got married, had a couple of kids, and and here I am, forty six years old, being like, oh, that's right, I make art, <laughs> <laughs> like you know. So COVID Go has ahead, actually Amy. been really good for me in that way. That uh, I, I barely I'm barely working but it's, it's given me the time to start creating and remembering that part about myself. Yeah. That's so interesting. You say that because actually like we just did our taxes and we had,
0: like, I had the best year I've ever had being self-employed. I'm kind of forced to not teach as much. And that's not really what I want to do. I like teaching a little, but, and it gave me the time to have that opportunity. So I'm sure that's kind of what you're experiencing. So how can people reach out to you? Um, what's the best way to reach out to you if they're interested in that?
1: Through the four and seven art or they can find okay, me. Cool. On, yeah. Four and seven art on Facebook or uh, a key belly on, uh, on Instagram. Can you
0: talk a little bit about um, teaching? Cause you've done some teaching too as well, right?
1: Yeah. I've been teaching for, I guess, five or six years now. Um, that's nice. another thing I totally fell into doing. I was a bartender for <laughs> a long time, bartender for a long time. I started bartending when I was 20 and, and I don't know when I stopped, but I was still teaching and bartending at the t- same time. So I'm not sure. I think maybe i stopped bartending like three years ago. Um, <clears throat> but uh, anyway, teaching, Um, I was substituting at Luna's, Uh, preschool whenever they needed somebody oh no first first I had because I didn't have a lot of money I had asked for money off of tuition if I prepped their craft projects and I, I was going to buy my side with Terry and of course Terry said yes so I would prep a craft project for them to do with the kids every Friday and then from there I ended up substituting Whenever somebody needed a day off. And then one of the girls got pregnant and they wanted to hire somebody. And they said, well, you're already here. and you want to just work here? I said, sure. So that meant <laughs> Luna went tuition free and I had a job. Nice. And then they, they went from a part-time to a full-time gig. And when they went to a full-time gig, I found out that they were opening up the whole arts room. And I said, um, I have a degree in art. I'm already working here. Um, can I be the art teacher? And they said, "Sure." So I went from part-time to full time. And then I had my arts class. Now, granted, this is only you know two to two to six years old. I think was the my oldest kid. but little That's kids' my favorite they should, though. <laughs> no, they were amazing. They were so amazing. And like I, I, know. To, I totally took it for granted what they were capable of. I mean, they were capable of so much and grasped so much information. And I had no idea that little kids, Could learn that much or do that much and uh they taught me a lot they taught me a Mm -hmm. lot like how to just open up and let go and you know like it doesn't have you know it doesn't have to look like that and they also taught me I didn't realize like how little kids can't communicate really well but they can communicate through art Mm -hmm. really well so they might not be able to Mm -hmm. have the words to say what they're feeling but they can draw it you know and even and even if mm-hmm. you, they do a couple lines on a piece of paper and you're like draw a lion and they do a couple lines and you're like that doesn't look like a lion and then you look at it and you're like oh wait it is it's totally a lion i can see where you put mm-hmm. them the lion's jaw line and i could see where that's a mane but really it just looks like a squiggle on the paper but they got it anyway mm-hmm. I went on a tangent but they taught me a lot <laughs> and um then by my side got Shut down, which is very sadly not the play play group, the school, and I was out of a right. job for a while. And then I started substitute teaching, um, mm. just to fill in the gap. Um, mm-hmm. And I was actually still doing that before <laughs> COVID. Uh, yeah, but luckily I got one school, so I substitute teaching at an elementary school. Um, that's cool. It was, a, it was the same school, so the kids got to know me really well. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And then, what was my, oh, and then um, I just started looking at, and indeed a friend of mine said, you know, hey, because I don't have a teaching certificate. So, and I was thinking about getting it, but it's really expensive. um, Yeah. And I don't, putting myself in that kind of debt at this stage of my life just kind of, I wasn't sure if that made any sense. Um, Anyway, so I just started looking at like private schools. And, uh, mm-hmm. and anyway, and so now I teach at, right now I teach at three different private schools. Um, so I teach, um, at a school in New Jersey, it's for uh, kids that fell through, it's a high school, um, but it's for kids that kind of fell through the cracks. So when I say high mm-hmm. school, the youngest kid is maybe 13 and the oldest kid is 20. Um, so they are kids oh, that, wow. that either have autism or Mm -hmm. they, you know, were severely abused or their mom got shot and they're being raised by their grandmother, Mm -hmm. like just crazy stories. And they, you know, they made it to to 16 and didn't learn how to read, you know, things Mm -hmm. like that. And so I teach them art. And then I also teach at a private Catholic school in Philadelphia which is a lot of the same things. It's it's a very very small school, and it's kids that have learning disabilities and and just need some extra help and some more one on one, and um and then I teach at a Montessori school in in New Jersey also.
0: Oh, my favorite! I teach at a Montessori yeah. school too. Yeah, you said that. How has yeah. that um influenced? Yeah, I'm like completely obsessed with
1: Maria. <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I <laughs> has do, that influenced your teaching.
1: I actually, I I don't know how much I should say. I I actually have a hard time there. I actually prefer the the, the kids with the. Well, it depends on the the school too. Yeah. That's what I. Oh yeah. And it depends Uh, on the school.
0: Well, yeah. yeah, And you know what? I've actually like, she started. Oh no, go ahead. She she started working (laughs) with kids. Yeah. Listen, I'll make you fall in love with her because it's probably just a bad experience you know, for the self, but her as as an educator and the whole philosophy is really incredible. She started, she was teaching kids with intellectual disabilities that would have to live in a home, right? And so she started teaching them. And this is powerful to me because I had a very difficult time learning um, with manipulatives rather than like concepts, like abstract concepts. She would put things in front of their hands and it would be tangible for them to manipulate. And like with the art, It's all about like the process and enjoying the process and like the tangible of the art, not necessarily the product, but you know, anybody can call themselves a Montessori school. They may not actually follow it. I've been really um, profoundly impacted by the people that teach at this school and the way that they provide the Montessori method. So it's certainly not always the same, but I found, I wish I had known this way to approach teaching art when I taught in Philly, because I felt really alone and like unsure how to reach the kids because they didn't have any experience with art and they were like not getting any supplies and then <laughs> it was like a whole lot of things coming all to a head and the kids it was hard to reach them so I would just do student like student directed work with the kids in Philly um except for the elementary school kids I'm talking about like middle school kids and stuff I would just asked them like what what do you guys want to do but yeah I wish I had known that because I think it would have helped me reach reach them better um and kind of just i don't know it it was really tough but yeah i hear you very vastly different in um we'll we'll just say entitlement and and like severe poverty and and you know of course that's going to change the attitude you have towards life and teachers and somebody coming in like i'd come in they're like okay we're gonna do this today and they'd be like like calm down you're way too extra right now (laughs) you know what i mean but I mean, I would let the kids dance and stuff because I was just like, whatever it is, if it's creative expression, you know, let's just try and have some fun. You get like a little break in here. And it was interesting. But when I did teach a hack, it actually made me take down all the art in the entire building for the PSSAs And I was like, fuck you, public school. That's I got to go. Bye. It was a prison. But the principal then was awful, too. Um, she was real. Cool. Um, yeah. I'm like, how are they going to cheat from art anyway? Yeah. Dude, I can't, I can't with the public school system and it's very sad, but I, I understand what you're saying. It's, it's a much different crowd typically, but um, I'll send you, I'll actually send you, I read a book to my students about Maria and she was actually pretty incredible. She was the first female doctor in Italy. Very cool. So that's pr- pretty, pretty cool. She was a really cool lady, but of course, you know, like any other legacy people use it the wrong way and make it bullshit i hear you though
1: but that's very yeah that's very cool um i just i i have you said entitlement and that's exactly what i come home mm. every week complaining about yeah i have a very difficult time with the way that those kids talk to me and treat Mm me Mm -hmm. and my other kids would never do that so see that's incredible I hear you.
0: I totally know what you're saying. Um, I don't have that particular situation at my school, thankfully. Um it could be like that, but our our head of school is really on top of it and and won't allow disrespect because that's another big thing with Montessori, the actual method, if you're practicing it the right way, you know, it's about community and um, you know, being kind to each other. So that makes me sad, but yeah, I hear you.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, anybody can put it on their placard, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But anyway, um, Amy, I love hearing more about the work that you're doing, and um, my friend Sarah Gise. I mean, when I first started teaching at Philly, that's kind of what I wanted to do. I wanted to be somebody that could help kids that are struggling through art. You know, kind of like you become an art therapist, basically. You know, um, yeah. do you have any? Like, she and I talked about it a lot, and uh, you know, I told her it was really hard leaving the the position because I felt like um it was hard to leave those kids behind a couple of my schools got closed while I was an art teacher there. And it was really just hard to know that I would never see the kids again. Um, do you have any advice for people that like want to, uh, is, is there any way that we can help out these kids that you're working with? Like, do you ever do like a donor's choose or anything? Are there opportunities to help the programs that you're working with? Um, I had to do donors choose at Philly like to get supplies and stuff. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but is there any way that people can help um, help support you in the communities that you're like that uh, I do don't you have anything, have anything like that? I don't have,
1: I don't have a donor's shoes, although I've been, this is probably the fifth time that's come up. So I guess I should really look into it. I can um, help you girl. I'm good at it. <laughs> all right. I'll take it. Um, the, the, the Catholic school that I work at, it's called Sophia Academy. And they are, okay. they're struggling a lot right now. Um, I am not a Catholic, but they have hired me. <laughs> right. I'm not religious. Um, right. If I feel as long as nobody's getting to hurt, it, I, I'm good with everything you believe. Um, but mm-hmm. anyway, so it's called Sophia, Sophia Academy, which actually my husband was telling me that it, Sophia is actually a really interesting woman that I should be reading more about. Yes. Yes, he's right. Hunter taught me about her. Yeah, I'm curious about um, the name of the school. And I want to read more about her than ask the uh, founder if that's why she did that. Anyway, but aside from that, Sophia Academy, it's in Philadelphia. um, It's in the West Oak Lane area. And they are struggling really badly. Mm. And she's worried that she might have to close because of covid um, they've lost mm-hmm. a lot of students and, um, I guess the students that do go there, um, you get, you, they get some sort of scholarship depending on how many people are enrolled. And then the less right. people that are enrolled, yep. other students can't attend there anymore because they're not getting any money. So she had sent me, a, um, like an email thing asking for me to send out for donations. I can look back through my emails and try and find it and send it to you. So Actually, there, I
0: found the website, and yeah, there's a there's a button for PayPal, so I can just I can link that. Um Okay. Yeah, our school's in the same boat. Our Montessori school's in the same boat. It's been really hard for private schools.
1: You I don't were saying, know what I'm saying you were doing Sophia. something with yeah, Sophia, and then you said to Hunter, "Is this okay?" And he said, "Hell yeah." Yeah. Well, the thing is, he's like he
0: was he was brought up Lutheran and and deeply religious family. Like, not well, I shouldn't say deeply, but compared to mine, <laughs> religious. And, um, he came to his heathenism or paganism on his own, like after being raised that way, but I was not in the same boat. I was like raised basically feral from religion and now had to sort of sort through it and find a path, which I haven't found quite yet, but I'm closer. Um, it feels good to me, but I'm with you. Uh, I, I lean into like paganism and just honoring and worshiping the earth because, I do believe it's alive and that's just where I lean in, but it's, it's tricky. It's very, very tricky. And, uh, especially, you know, I'm sorry, like, I feel exactly
1: have- the same way. I, I I was also raised very feral when it came to religion. Um, mm-hmm. Kevin is from, I don't know, a Protestant maybe background, but he doesn't practice at all either. Um, he is, we, I wouldn't say we're pagan or wicked or I wouldn't, I wouldn't say we're anything but I definitely, yeah, same. I definitely, I, I don't believe in a God. I think that that's crazy talk to me. <laughs> um, Especially like reading all the Greek myths and the road, like it's just the same story, like over and over again. Mm-hmm. Like, so why is yours more important than anybody else's? It doesn't make any sense to me. But anyway, but I do, I've had it so many times. Like, I, like the best I could say is that I'm an atheist. Cause I just don't believe in God. If you want to say straight out, like what are you i'm just gonna say i'm an atheist because i don't believe in god but right so many people have have taken that to mean like like because i'm a satanist and i'm like well no people um, are so if dumb I <laughs> if i don't believe in god why would i believe in satan that doesn't make I any know. sense to me you know and then also it's like people have been like oh so like basically like i don't know how to love because i don't believe in god I'm oh like, my god like what are you talking about So basically, the I don't know. There's not a word for it. Maybe there is a word for it. Maybe you know. Maybe it is paganism. Maybe it is Wicca. I don't know. But the same way that you're saying, Mm -hmm. I believe in I believe in the earth, and I believe that I am connected to the earth. I believe that I'm part of you. You're part of me. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm part of my neighbor. You know, we're part of each other. Yeah, think energy. Yeah, yeah, we have to make sure that we're good Mm -hmm. during the time we have here. And when I die. I think I just go back to the earth. I just become yep. part of nature again, mm-hmm. you know, like unless I fill myself with weird chemicals and all that stuff that I don't want to do, <laughs> but <laughs> then I'm going to be there forever, you know, just rotten, you know, when I'm not rotting in the ground, but anyway, so yeah, I don't. And I, I think that part of that, I've read all kinds of articles, you know, on, mm. on a million different things, but and I'm not trying to say being an atheist is better than believing in God. I just feel like there's been so many terrible things done in God's Mm -hmm. name. For me, it's just, it's really a big turnoff, you know, just, yeah. um, Yeah, for sure. And, and all of
0: the gods, not just the Christian God, all of the gods, there's been horrible, horrible things done. I always found uh, it almost repulsive how divisive organized religion is in all religions you know it's really even even in the pagan communities that i'm like um uh associated with or like lean into or whatever there's still like a ton of divisiveness and judgment and like this idea that there's a certain law to live by and i'm like um not working for me and you know i have to tell you amy in this year of my life i have discovered a woman named sharon blackie and her work is really incredible and it's um the mythic um, what the heck does she call it? Uh, anyway, it's all about the wisdom within, but also having a relationship with place. Like she's super into place and it's, 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 it's grounded in like Celtic and Gaelic um, mythology and getting back to the roots, but it spoke so deeply to me. I was like, holy shit. I felt like my heart literally burst out of my chest when I started reading it, which I did on audio, audio, audible while I was I reading, girl, Yeah, I, I don't, don't have time yeah, I...
1: for reading. <laughs> Because I, well, like, I can, I can crochet or I can drive. Exactly. I can, like I can't fit. Can, now. no, no. I can't. No, either. I, I, use the audiobooks I like enjoy, her. I enjoy getting the
0: information, but I don't enjoy the process of getting. information. You have to check her out though, because it's like, and here's what I decided. I just turned this 40. The and was like, that you,
1: you posted a picture. Of yes. With? I'm yeah, obsessed okay.
0: with her. Yeah. Listen. And I don't really like promote anything like this. And I've been looking a long time for my place and like my belonging, but she, it clicked i mean, like, you don't have to be Celtic to feel that, but she talks about, uh, and the thing, the quote that she said that I heard the other day on her podcast was like, it's okay to like make your own myth. Like it's okay to like not have a definition for what you believe, but to feel like I'm connected to my neighbor and I'm connected to you and I'm connected to the earth. And I don't have to define that. This idea that another friend came up with who is very connected to a certain religion um, or Glava, she did say though that there's all, there's this, and I think this is, speaking to the time that we're living in it's called identity collectors and people want to constantly be like putting themselves in like in categories or um you know making sure that they're checking certain boxes or whatever but it's also okay to be like absorbing things that that you feel connected to but not like prescribing to the whole thing you know like you said about catholicism I feel the same way I'm deeply disturbed by the abuse that's happened to um to children and to nuns uh, at the hand of the, the system. But I also have seen beauty in Catholic schools and the private school angle. And I, and I get, and you can be in between that and that's okay. And you don't have to always choose a side. And I think religion or, or spirituality or worship is all like that because it's a, like, you have to find the things that connect for you and it doesn't necessarily have to be defined. And it could be like, you're writing your own mythology or your own story, you know, and, and, and you know, finding your own path. And that's really a leadership thing. That's like when you have to be told what to do, it's very much a follower thing. And I'm not calling people weak. I'm just saying like you're either one personality or the other, like you're either a leader or you're a follower and it's not to the gate being a follower. Or you just want to be left alone. Yeah. Or you're like an introvert. That's like, just put me in the stone cave and leave me alone. But yeah, I would definitely highly recommend that. And all audible honey and the yeah. podcast. <laughs> I'm just like,
1: yeah, but I, I, absolutely hate being told to, I absolutely hate being told what to do. I hate it. I hate it. I hate so, it. Hate it. I Even if I know too. you're better at it than me, <laughs> I'm not saying I'm going to be good at it. I'm just going to say, like, let me try it first. Yes. And then when champ. I need help, I'm going to ask you for help. So, you know. Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> I know. I hear you. I hear you a thousand percent. I'm just, like, the same way. And it's weird because I keep... Getting so close to joining a group because especially during this, I felt really a longing for um, community. But then I realized like I have a really incredible community, community, like you're part of my community. It's like I've collected relationships everywhere I've gone, but it doesn't have to be somebody that I can see or like have an everyday exchange with. But this is my community like that I've created and brought together for myself. And it doesn't have to be under a certain name or certain rules. And I'm just like, I can't do with the rules you know, you know, one thing that I always respected about like the way my family practiced Christianity is they always said, you know, you connect with the Holy Spirit on your own. You don't need somebody standing up there telling you, Oh, the Holy Spirit's here. Connect now. Like you can plug in your device. now. It's like, and I felt that give give me $20. Now you can talk. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, and I felt that before that connection to something. And I decided this year, actually, like, I don't need to define it. It just, I'm going to lead my life the way that I've been trying to do the best I can and be kind to others. And that's the way it's going to be. And I don't give a shit yet. <laughs> so,
1: I hear you. Um, Getting older is wonderful that way, isn't
0: it? I am obsessed with it. And I, and, and this is another thing with her book too. It's really cool because this like blew my face off. Okay. My whole life I've struggled with insecurity, especially when like seeking attention, um, in like relationships or whatever, and she talks about how like at this stage in our life we get to not be looked at just as as like uh, beautiful or like sex objects. They're like sought after in that way, and not even look at ourselves necessarily that way. Not that we're not, and not that we can't still like enjoy all those things, but that we become into like a, a time in our life that it's more about wisdom and being able to like not have that like take up so much of our time where we have to be like constantly being like pushing people off of us or like that, that attention doesn't always feel welcomed, you know? And I thought that was really poignant and I love it. And also the give a shit muscle completely dies. <laughs> and <it> breaks, <laughs> yeah. and You're just like done, done, done. And it's like very empowering time in my life. I am so much enjoying it, Amy. I just, I do wish that I could gather with my friends more and family, but that's the only downside of yeah this yeah, time totally. in my life. But I, I, I really it, have I, been enjoying it you know, self-love is awesome. And I like being the size I am and everything, but it's also kind of like, Hmm, it's kind of starting to affect my health and I have to take it more seriously. So, you know, it's a tough, it's a tough situation because it's really interesting. And I'm sure you can understand this because we're similar in age, like to see this new, this whole new crop of like young people and especially women be so empowered by like self-love and like, um, body acceptance and all these things that like riot girls were like talking about. But it's also kind of like, it's hard to watch only because like, um, it's just, it's, it's hard to watch because, you know, with weight and stuff, it, it can become like very, this is very like just personal for me. Clearly, you're not like an obese person, but it has definitely like changed my life and affected me in a lot of ways. And it, it's hard to watch just because I'm like a, a super empath person. And I just worry like, oh, you know, like, yes, you should always love yourself. But it's also kind of like, you know, and it's not like a size or, or an amount of weight that you are, but it's just more like a lifestyle where it's kind of, you know, it, it does catch up with you and it will bite you in the ass, which it did to me. And I'm just like, Oh, well, I guess I'm at that age now where I can't just ignore this. So it's it's tricky because part of me gets really excited. because I was like, wow, I wish this was happening when I was growing up. But then I was like, Oh wait, it was, and it was amazing. And now we've passed the torch and it's really incredible to watch. And Oh my effing God, Amy Kelly, like the Me Too movement, like, I'm catching on to the Britney Spears stuff, and I was like, oh my god, like, we grew up, like, I graduated high school when she came out, and, like, just seeing the way, like, it's so weird to, like, watch the video of the questions she was asked with this contemporary context or frame, like, or lenses we're looking through, and just be like, what the actual fuck, how did this happen, and how did they get away with it, and then all of the plethora of disgusting males that were doing all the disgusting things, and it's just incredible and um just mind blowing and it's really exciting. Not exciting that it happened Are but you talking about the
1: documentary?
0: The what what? The, there's a yeah, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen yeah, it. I it have, yet. I've just heard about it on my podcast, Baby Kelly. Cause I haven't sat <laughs> down and watched it. But I did go in yesterday and I wanted to hear what they meant by um the dinosaur dinosaur interview and it was really disgusting the way they treated her and uh you know, my, my daughter, who's 12, you might remember, Maya, is really obsessed with becoming yeah. like a, a, a kid, like a Disney star or like a kid, a, 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 an Instagram model. That's like the thing that they talk about now. I'm like, oh, it's like, how about you do this? How about you like share your talents on Instagram and then you, you're like beautiful. So you're like also modeling, but it's so hard to watch. Like that's the goals, right? And I'm trying to explain to her like what has happened to these young stars and like Britney Spears would be an example of, you know, and like Miley Cyrus, just like it changes the way you develop and it changes your, the way you see the world and enjoyed your childhood. Like why you still have the innocence, you know? So mm-hmm. it's, re- it's really interesting. I haven't seen it, but, um, I heard a lot about it and it made me really upset because it was like, yeah, that was really fucked up, but it was not fucked up then as much as it is now. And I guess maybe 30 years from now, we'll be saying the same thing about stuff now, you know,
1: But it was exciting
0: to see that movement happen. And, and I think, I have to say, I think the vehicle was social media. And I think it it made a huge impact that we didn't have that, like when we were younger and trying to to make changes. And I think that's been incredible for young people to have that because generally speaking, they can't really filter you or like stop you from
1: saying things and, and things move quickly. And it's pretty incredible, you know? Yeah, no it's it's huge, it's huge. Yeah, I mean I talking about like when we were younger, I, yeah, I mean I also didn't have I didn't have a a gauge, you know, like I didn't mm-hmm. have something to gauge off of like, well, is that appropriate or was it not appropriate? And now right. I'm like, oh. Yeah. Like just even little I I posted something on my Facebook page recently a, a story that somebody uh said about their daughter that um the the grandfather had come up behind their daughter and was like rubbing her shoulders Uh. like like, and then asking her for something and the and it was obvious or asking for a hug or something and it was obvious the little girl didn't want it and the mother Mm -hmm. said she doesn't want you to touch her and he was like oh no that we was tickling her and and Mm -mm. she was like Stop doing that you're making her uncomfortable and the grandpa was like what are you talking about? blah 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 and she was like that's her body that you're invading you're invading her body and then the mother ended up saying to the daughter do you want him to do that? And the daughter was afraid and like, just kind of like, sure. No. And she said, honey, if you don't want somebody to do it, it's okay that you, it's okay to say that you don't have to just take it. And ended up making her, her father, her grandfather very angry. And he left the room. He was angry. And it hit me so hard that nobody as a young girl had ever told me that I could say no. Yeah. You know, Right. I so, do. Yep. You know, I had a weird uncle that used to make me sit on his lap. He never did anything yep. like, crazy, but Same. he used to make me I sit know. on his lap and he used to like yeah. hug me and ask me if I had a boyfriend and all this stuff. And I, mm-hmm. he made me so uncomfortable and I didn't know that I was allowed to say no. I didn't know sure. that I have said something to somebody be like, I don't want to sit on uncle. I'm not going to say his name's laugh. Right. You know, like he gives me, I the hear you. To- yep. You know, Anyway. that's
0: that's really interesting though, Amy, because that's what my takeaway was from me too. Actually, it's like, well, where can, can the work be done in my life? And the work is done by teaching my son and teaching my daughters about, um, the word I want, damn it. I loved it. Um, it starts with a V, uh, Do venereal disease. That? No girl. <laughs> <laughs> um, when you have someone's permission, what the hell is that good word? It might not be a V. Consent. What you're talking about? Yeah, consent. I'm sorry, it's not a V. Um, I decided that that's where the work can start, and and the interesting thing about it is, I feel the same exact way, and weird shit happened to me too, and like I had no idea. So my kids get really grossed out when I talk about it, but I continually tell them about that, including them the, the each other, like you know, don't let the your brother or sister or anybody in your life touch you in this way or whatever and this is so incredibly important because it's so true and and my daughter's 12 she's in seventh grade they've not taught her about sex yet and I was like literally what the fuck is going on because I learned in sixth grade and it wasn't great but it was something but if you don't know what
1: sex is how will you know that it's wrong what someone's doing to you you know I think that's very powerful and important both both my kids know way too much about sex and me, about too. <laughs> yeah, me too me too <laughs> I teach my kids about that and they're just like oh my god she's just like the weirdest mom in the whole entire world but I'm like you know what at the end
0: of the day they're gonna go into these situations and at least have some framework like you're saying something to gauge and I think that's such an important takeaway and I bet you that woman who told her daughter that had definitely experienced some of that shit herself yeah and was like Remembering how that felt because I can actually you're like remembering the feelings that it would give you too when these weird things would just like closed in. I would just close in, like Mm -hmm. you know. And you feel so invisible and so small. And I think that's why people don't understand how often abuse of children happens because the children have no gauge exactly. Like and there's such a there's such a huge range of abuse there's so many ways that people can abuse and not necessarily have contact. But um, it's funny you mentioned that because I actually uh, put boundaries up in my family over an uncle that was touching Maya in a weird way with the shoulders. It's funny you said that. And I said, I won't speak to them anymore. And that was really hard for me because I was always like very people pleaser person. And that was something that recently happened. It was really empowering for me and for her to know like, this is not okay. Never put up with this ever. Of course there's gonna be jerks in your life, but you're gonna know better than I did and yeah. be more equipped, you know. So I think it's been a gift for everybody, not just young people with the Me Too movement. Like even and just watching like watching like Bill Cosby, you know, be brought to yeah. terms with the things that he did. And um what the Epstein. hell was the guy's name? Epstein. The guy with the island. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. That motherfucker. I just and just to have an awareness of the trafficking and, t- and talk to my kids about that and how it can be people that you feel like you can trust. It's just very, all very, very important information. I do think in that way, social media is very, very good and very helpful, you know, to have us <laughs> be able to um, make those connections. Wait, can oh, I tell you a story yeah.
1: about Miley, Miley Cyrus real fast? Yes, please. Okay. So I, I don't know much about her, but I have seen her do a lot of really great uh, covers lately. I love um, her work actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she's really blossomed into a really amazing person. But so yeah. she did I think a Saturday Night Live or something like that recently. And while we were watching her, uh, Kevin, my husband, uh, he does light shows for rock concerts. So right now he's oh, wow. not really working because there's no concerts. <laughs> right. But aside from that, he was saying he's like, Oh, Miley Miley Cyrus, he said one of my one of the guys he works with worked one of her shows. Oh wow. So he was, you know, doing the lighting, but they they have like, they always have a lead lighting guy and she was working at some place that she doesn't usually work at. And so the lead lighting guy she was working with wasn't necessarily her lighting guy. Mm -hmm. And she said to him, I want you to light me like a man. And he said, well, no, you're, you're the main female singer. We're going to light you the way I'm going to light you. And she said, no, you're going to light me like a man. And I was like, what are you talking about? And Kevin said, when they light a female singer, they usually light her. They put a spotlight on her and drowned out the rest of the band. Mm. And she was saying, don't do that. I want light on me the same as all, everybody else in the band. We're, we're working That's together. Awesome. And the guy said, but you're, he's, he said something about like, well, you're, you're the sex of the band or something like that. And she said, mm-hmm. no, she's like, I'm going to be sexy all on my own. No matter how you like me, I <laughs> like me like a man, you know, mm-hmm. anyway. And, and, and that's so cool. That, the guy that Kevin works with witnessed the whole thing. And he was like, it was amazing. It, it, she was did awesome. They, did
0: they listen to her? Did they do I it? I think so. i I'm think sure they did. She's did. like, not going to take it. Yeah. What I meant, what I meant by the child stars is I think there's an innocence loss. And actually we know a lot about her because my kids loved Hannah Montana. And it was one of the few Disney shows that I really actually liked watching. Um, it was a really cool story and just, you know, her dad worked so closely with her. I don't think she ever like flew off the handle, but I do think there was like some loss of innocence just by working when you're that young, you know, but that's incredible. I really actually like her a lot. Um, I think at a certain age, it might've been hard to have my (laughs) kids listening to her when she was going through like a lot of the like super overtly sexual stuff that they don't understand yet because they know about sex but they don't know about like being sex being sexy and you know all that stuff yeah and and it's funny because amy this is so tough i'm sure because you're a cool mom uh some of the stuff that i listen to like my kids listen to too and i'm like when i'm hearing my 12 year old like sing um Bad Guy by Billie Eilish. I start Whoa. to like completely cringe, and I'm like, now I understand why my mom could not. I would listen to Danzig Mother, and she would be like, "I'm gonna literally pull your face off. Like, stop yeah. listening to that." Yeah. And now yeah. it's like I'm living that horror because yeah. she's like singing the lyrics to was like, um,
1: no, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Luna so is a bad guy also. She loves it song. And there's another song, song, that Playdate song. I don't know oh. that song. I'll have to check it out. Luna, it's so good though sings a song it's not a Billy Irish song it's somebody else but it's a I guess I'm just a play date to you I guess I'm just a play date to you (laughs) but anyway there's lines in the song that they're not talking about playing like after school they're talking about sex like I'm just a sex person for you and Mm -hmm. so I've we've had talks she's standing right here about some of the lyrics that she's singing and that that's what they're talking about and not not playing.
0: Yeah. That's what we talked about too. In a very like non graphic way, I said to her, you know, this is speaking about something that's um, a sexual act and she's empowered in the situation, which is fantastic, but it's not something that you need to sing at your Mm -hmm. age because, you know, it's like, yeah. And then she's like, well, what about the part where she's like, my mommy loves to sing along, but she won't sing this song and she pities the men I meet. And I was like, ah. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm living my mom's nightmare that I gave her. I'm just like, totally. oh my gosh. So but funny. it's interesting because she's like, but you listen to it and it's like, oh, well, that's a true." Yeah. But yeah, that's very, very cool. So um, they all, they have their own little like Instagram account that I can really police it because I know Instagram really well, but we don't do like TikTok or anything because I'm like, I don't need to get in to any new new age stuff that I can't figure out, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> like an old funny duddy. <laughs> what is your experience of being Pennsylvania Dutch and and how that as a contemporary Pennsylvania Dutch person? Um, how has that experience been? Because I'm very curious about that. Um, you know, how do you feel? How do you feel about it? And and do you feel connected to it? And you know. um, it's tricky being a modern lady out here in the culture, you know. So it's it's a very tricky position, and uh, navigating it is a little tricky. But I'm just wondering how you're feeling.
1: How you feel about all that? I think it's funny because as a grown up, um, you know, meeting people like you, or um, recently, um, a woman. On, I'm on this buy nothing group on Facebook where you know you you get rid of things you don't want and there was a woman talked excuse me <laughs> Sorry. there was a woman talking about how she needed um and i don't remember her name right now but she needed uh basically props uh for her her culinary projects and so she was she was going to sc- culinary school and she needed props to put up with her food to take pictures of for her senior thesis and oh, wow. I- yeah, and I chimed in because I have a friend of mine that makes cutting boards, and I thought maybe the two of them would get together, and he would get really nice photos taken of his cutting boards, and and she could have a really nice cutting board. And in the conversation, it turns out that she is is basically majoring in Pennsylvania Dutch food. Yeah, where at where I put oh I like, and I was like, wow. what? I was like, I'm Pennsylvania Dutch, and then she said. Oh, really? So am I? And then we started going back and forth about it. But then she kind of turned it into this lesson where she was teaching me about it. And I was just like, okay, that's not where I mean, not that I know everything. I certainly do not know everything about PA Dutch culture. I'm two generations removed now. But um, I didn't, anyway, whatever. Um, so, PA Dutch. So, when I was a kid, my. Um, I was living in Lansdale, like I said, but my mom worked full time. My dad worked full time. And in the summer times I would spend the summers with my grandparents. So, um, my grandparents, uh, lived on Noble street in Pooztown and they spoke Pennsylvania Dutch. And at the, that's, you know, what they spoke. And my aunt's, um my one aunt is only 3 years older than I am. So my mom had me very young and she's the she had four they had four daughters so the the youngest aunt is pretty much i fall in line with the daughters age-wise. Um and my aunts all understood what they were saying and and spoke a little of it back. And so in the summer times at my grandparents' house that's I would hear PA Dutch all the time. And then all their their friends would come over and their friends would speak PA Dutch. And um there was a lot of Mennonites. My grandmother did a lot of things with Mennonites, so there was there was always Mennonites at the house too, and and she would drive them around to know places that they needed to go. Um. Anyway, but I grew up, uh, just kind of thinking that was just that was my grandparents, you know, whatever. But I also had a really hard time. My grandfather had such a thick accent. He was the Adam. So my mom, my grandmother is Hickson, and he is Adam. Um. So my mother's maiden name is Adam. Um. Anyway, my grandfather had such a thick PA Dutch accent that as a young child, I had a really hard time understanding him. And it's become a joke, you know, for my whole life is that I guess at one point my my father asked me, "What did Grandpa say to you about something?" And I said, "I don't know." All he says is "blug blug blug," and that became like the just the joke is that Grandpa says "blug blug blug." Um, but as a grown up, and even when I went when I went back to Kutztown to go to college there. I felt I felt like an outsider because I didn't grow up there, but I also felt like an insider because I was able to say to people, oh, I'm P.A. Dutch and my grandfather is Raymond Adam. My mother, my grandmother is Evelyn Adam. I mean, Evelyn Hickson. And they would be like, oh, you're not just some, you know, dopey college kid. You're from the area. So I was kind of able to ride it. And then I also learned some some words. Um, I worked at the quality shop in Kutztown. I was a waitress there, and there was all these old Dutchmen that used to sit on the bench outside. And mm-hmm. um, they used to stop talking when I would walk by. Anyway, just being like kind of dirty old men. And I learned how to say, uh, So, you know, watch what you're saying. I understand Dutch. And they would mm-hmm. stop doing that sort of thing around me. Um, <clears throat> but, That's yeah. great. Once a huckabliva, you know, uh, uh, can you catch a kunch to make a fungo. what's a huckbliva? You know, just different things that I picked up, you know, being around them and and wished that uh, I would have learned it when I was younger. And uh, I remember one point somebody saying, well, you know, it's dying off. like once you know my grandparents generation die, that's probably gonna be the end of the language. And that made me kind of sad. And, and so I was really happy to find out that you were picking it up and that Kutztown had picked it up. And it was amazing. Um, because, I mean, that happens in so many cultures, like, you know, lots of indigenous cultures. And it just it just goes away. Like the younger generations just forget about it. And I'm not doing this amazing job to try and keep it, you know, but I'm I'm proud of it being part of me, you know? And mm-hmm. I like a good FOSS <laughs> knot. that's cool so you're
0: you're you're carrying on the tradition then with your kids too because I see a lot of posts too that you're doing a lot of the traditional stuff um it makes its way into your into your family which is really neat and I think you know all cultures evolve and and a lot of the language was um it's like a very farming language for rural areas and I think us as a people can evolve in the time that we're in with with not keeping the necessarily the language and that's okay. And, and it holds a special place in our heart, but it's, it's one of those things that's unfortunately part of the, um, as my friend Mandy called it, the erasure of the culture, um, just because of uh, the different things that Pennsylvania Dutch people, um, kind of survived, um, uh, a lot of, a lot of, um, what's the word I want for it? A lot of, uh, Um, I guess, prejudice and judgment for Pennsylvania Dutch people, especially the language. Uh, It's really incredible. The stories that you hear when when you're interested and you're asking people and and you're listening, the stories that you'll hear, even especially with uh, accents, was like a really big deal. A lot of people I know, like my grandmother and stuff and people that I know, their grandparents, they were like put in speech clinics and stuff to try and get rid of it. But um, I think we still have a great amount of work to do and efforts, but also so much to share and, you know, passing those things along to our children is really important and uh, weaving together all the threads and
1: along the, the, uh, the, my grandparents' generation, my grandmother, Evelyn, Evelyn Hitson uh, turned 94 yesterday. She is still alive and it was her birthday yesterday. Yeah.
0: I saw the happy birthday to her. And I was thinking, I know you had put something out about sending cards to her and I was thinking, darn it, am I too late? I should send her, I'm sure she speaks rock and right? She speaks yes, it. She does. Yes, I she should does. send her a book. That would be so cool. Um, I appreciate your your sentiments about being Pennsylvania Dutch, especially it you know, living in Philadelphia um and being kind of removed, but always having it with you. Amy, thank you so much for joining us. it was really nice to catch up and talk to you and um I can't wait for everybody to hear this and check out your artwork and commission you for some pieces. Um, definitely check out Amy's work she's incredible and a a wonderful person and also very very multi-talented artist and creator (laughs) an amazing mom cool mom right (laughs) perfect timing Luna
1: (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much thank you oh I hope I didn't say too much I'm sorry no no all right thanks (laughs) for joining me I really appreciate it take care and mock scoot <laughs> thank you come care. on try it <laughs> bitter my, oh mock Mark snoot mock scoot scoot you got schnoot. it scoot. I'll, I'll talk to you later i'm gonna send your okay. grandmother a package with a book oh love that thank you for sure all right you okay. guys take care all right Bye. bye
0: Hey, all my Big Mama Hex fans! Please, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts if you don't mind, and please don't forget to subscribe. Thank you all for listening, and machs good.